Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is out today, and we have a very interesting show today. We're going to be talking about what's most important, and that is salvation. Monsignor Pope is going to give us some good insights on that. We're also going to give you some more ammunition, so to speak, in regards to Hermani Vitae. We just had the celebration of the 54th year of Hermani Vitae, and uh, this is going to be a good teaching on that so that uh, you can stand up for that. Also, I'm going to be getting uh, like some good news where the Florida Medical Board begins drawing up rules banning sex change surgeries, and that's the governor, Ron DeSantis, is setting that up. So that's a good news story. We're also going to have Hunter Bradford from Church Millen give us an update on the news coming later this evening. And I'd like to give some good news stories, what I think is a good news story. India, right, to hold its first March for Life as the day of mourning for nearly, are you ready? Put your seatbelt on. 800 million aborted babies since the early 70s. And the country is drawing inspiration from Roe versus Wade being overturned in the United States. You see how we affect the world, good or bad. Uh, another, I think it's a good news story. It tells people the truth about this vaccination. Medical studies around the world showing unvaccinated people have a stronger immunity than vaccinated people after eight months. And uh, this is something that we're going to be talking with Dr. French next week. So he'll be giving us the lowdown on all of that. Also, this isn't good, but the, the government passed a $430 billion inflation bill. It's passed by the Senate, includes funding for abortion. Which, you know, again, uh, we've got to stop this. And so I'm, I was glad to see that uh, the, one of our pro-life bishops, Archbishop Laurie, came out and, and just attacked and condemned Bishop, or excuse me, condemned President Biden's pro-abortion executive orders. And you know what, what really blows me away in all this is that we knew this before we, he got elected. Why weren't we speaking out against him at that time? I have one more good news story. Lindsey Graham, he blasts the Democrat Senate bill that wants to codify homosexual marriages. See, they always use the word gay. I'm gay. I'm a happy dude. Homosexual marriages, supposedly a marriage between two men or two women. That's not God's plan. So we have to stop that as, must, as the best we can. But before we get to all these other sh- uh, topics, I'd like to get some soul food in. And this is a great feast day, as you probably know, of St. Lawrence, deacon and martyr. If you went to Mass, the priest was wearing red. Uh, this goes way back, are you ready, to the 3rd century. Uh, he's a, he was a Roman deacon. He died in 258. And uh, what I love about it is um, he died uh, because he was, he was um, persecuting for the church before the church was illegal. They uh, delivered him up, and they said, look, you need to get, turn over all your church you know, valuables. You got three days to do it. He comes back and shows them the crowd of the poor people because he gave everything away, and they thought it was good. So they burned him on the stake, you know, typical thing that would go on for the first 300 years of the church. So there you go, St. Saint Mar- Saint Lawrence, uh, martyr of the church, pray for us. Let's get the uh, good news uh, stuff, what we call... The, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, soul food. We have a special reading for today from John chapter 12, verse 24 to 26. 
Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, amen. Whenever he says amen, amen, listen up. He said, I say, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm taking a little commentary from the Navarre Bible. Uh, this is the Gospels. And our Navarre Bible says it pretty clearly. It says, Our Lord has spoken about his sacrifice being a condition of his entering his glory. And what holds good for the master, hey, it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, yeah, applies to us as disciples. Jesus wants each one of us to be of service to him. It is a mystery of God's plan that he who is all, who has all, and who needs nothing and nobody should choose to need our help to ensure his teaching and salvation wrought by him reaches all men. To follow Christ, that is the secret of life. Yeah. We must accompany him so closely that we come to live with him like the first 12 did, so closely that we become identified with him. Soon we will be able to say, provided we have not put obstacles in the way of grace, that we have put on and have clothed ourselves with our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 14. The reason I'm saying this is because in the world right now, they should know that we're different. Just the way we talk, the way we act, the way we do our business. I, I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> I was calling for an insurance change on my policy, and the lady says, Wow, you are energetic. What do you have? I said, well, you know what the word enthusiasm comes from? Said, no, Theo, God is in you. God is in me. I receive him every day, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. These people are blown away when you tell people that. They're like, what? I don't believe it. Well, believe it. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Talk about uh, a enthusiastic Full sheen ahead. And it's on a very beautiful topic, love. <clears throat> And see if this doesn't relate to you and related to me. If you have enemies, and boy, do I have enemies. If they hate you, if they revile you and persecute and say all manners of evil things against you, and you wish to stop their hatred, to release the hatred in their clenched fists, drive them off the face of the earth, there is but only one way to do it. Love them. And, you know, Bishop Sheen, I have experienced that because <clears throat> when people get angry, the last thing you need to do is get angry back. Smile. Lower your voice. Call them by name and ask a question. Love them. They don't know how to handle that kind of approach. So thank you, Bishop Sheen, for that advice. And I just want to remind everybody, again, Ezekiel 3.18, it says, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade the wicked from their evil conduct in order to save their lives, 
then you shall die for their sin. But I will hold you responsible for their blood. That I read almost daily. Why? It motivates me to get the word out about the good news of Jesus Christ. So I hope you can do that in your own life by sharing the gospel with those. All right, I mentioned that we have some good news stories. And I I really want to commend what we do in our pro-life efforts here in this country. As I said, 800 million aborted babies in India. And now the Archbishop, uh, you know, the uh, Sino-Marabar rite, also with the Latin rite, they're all joining a pro-life commission. Uh, This is a protest of the country's 51 years of legalized abortion in India. Are you ready for this? They would get 15.6 million abortions every year, nearly totaling 800 million people. And they're saying, we're motivated to do this because of America stopping the abortions through turning back Roe versus Wade. So I just want to say, let's keep fighting the fight. We don't have any idea what we do here can affect somebody across the world. Think of this too. When you pray and you do penance, like I say at the end of every show, there's a person in India, China, who needs prayer. This is part of the mystical body of Christ. Have you ever thought of saying a Hail Mary for that person? You don't, you'll never meet on this planet. But because we are the mystical body of Christ, we pray for each other. Say a Hail Mary for someone you don't know halfway around the world. Try that every day. It's a great act of charity. I'd ask you to do that. And also, what I'm really excited about is Florida. God, they just do some good things. The medical board begins drawing up rules banning sex change surgeries, drugs for minors. They're finally saying, wait, this is not good. And the medical board's voting to say, no, we're not going to do this. So I just say that, you know, the, the government has a way to protect us, you know. And when you see stupid things being done, then we should stop those. And that's what they're doing there, and I just want to commend them for that. Also, um, again, I, I just want to commend Archbishop Lori for speaking out against the Biden administration. I just still wish before this election our church would have spoken out by just saying, this guy's for killing unborn babies, you know, vote, vote with a Catholic conscience. I think if our church would have done that, he wouldn't have made it. That's my take. All right, when we come back, We're going to talk about salvation, yeah, and how, you know, this universal salvation versus what the Catholic Church teaches, that we have responsibility, that um, the Bible is very clear about how we receive salvation and how we can go to hell if we choose to go to hell by doing our will rather than God's will. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. When we come back, Monsignor Charles Pope, great article on how... What is salvation and how can we attain salvation with a biblical worldview? Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is out today. Before I get into Monsignor Charles Pope's article regarding salvation, I'd like to set the stage. St. John Paul II, 
on a trip to America back in 1976. <clears throat> this was at the Eucharistic Congress with Mother Teresa. Actually, Bishop Sheen was there. Can you imagine? Yeah, <clears throat> he, he, he preached this. He said, we are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has gone through. I do not think that wide circles of the American society or even wide circles of the Christian community realize this fully. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church of the gospel <clears throat> versus the anti-gospel. This confrontation lies within the plan of divine providence. It is a trial which the whole church must take up. It is a trial of not only the church, but in a sense, a test of 2,000 years of culture and Christian civilization with us, of its consequences for human dignity, individual rights, human rights, and the rights of nation. We must awaken, the Pope said, to the reality that these prophetic words, this is what Bishop Strickland said, we must awake with the reality of these prophetic words of St. John Paul II spoke in 1976 are unfolding before our eyes. Bishop Strickland says we must proclaim Jesus Christ more vigorously than ever before. Let us be strengthened by the words of Jesus that St. John Paul II so often said, be not afraid. I say this to you, our listeners, because we got to really, this is our test. I mean, our test is on earth. We're like at summer school. If we pass it, we get to go to heaven. If we reject the graces that are being given to us to fight the good fight, and we choose hell, we go to hell. Simple. Two, two camps. Now, Monsignor Charles Pope is talking about some flawed notions about judgment. You've heard this statement where everybody's going to heaven. What? That's not what the Bible says. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just got to be a good person. I mean, you know, religion, that's, that's for religious people. But, you know, uh, the God's going to, everybody's going to go in. Well, Monsignor Pope, Charles Pope, wants to clarify that there's two schools here. One who says nobody goes to heaven. The other says everybody goes. Well, you know, he says, but on the other hand, this spectrum is too far common today, and that is universal salvation presuming that almost everyone is saved with little or no reference to one's preferred spiritual or moral life. It is an overreaction to the stern, uh, litigious God of the two distortions because it trivializes and reduces the Lord to a kind of harmless hippie token, saying, you know, who am I to judge? All are welcomed. Boy, well said, Monsignor. But the truth, of course, is what does Jesus actually teach? It's not a distortion. God wants to save us. Well, Ezekiel chapter 33, Timothy, paragraph, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 4. But the real question is, what do we want, right? Sadly to say, many people, we have to read the Bible. The Bible in Matthew chapter 7 says, 
Many prefer the wide road to destruction rather than the narrow road to heaven. What do we mean a narrow road? Well, it's a narrow road because Jesus is the only way, no other way. Now, there are two scriptures, among others, that illustrate this quite well. The first scripture is from St. John's Gospel in the third chapter. And the passage begins, and everybody's heard this so many times, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. And that's John 3.16. It's famous. But even here, there comes a warning rooted in our response. Because he says, whoever does not believe has already been condemned because he has not believed in the name of God's Son. John 3.18. And this comes, all right, folks, to an analysis by our Lord of why some refuse in what judgment consists of. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than the light. This is right from the Gospel of John. So, the deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear of his deeds will be exposed. <clears throat> this is scripture. But whoever practices the truth comes to the light so that it may be seen clearly that what he has done has been accomplished in God. So this is a biblical view of salvation. Notice then the judgment, the verdict consists in whether or not one loves or hates the light. Pretty simple. Two, two camps. The Greek word used here is agapis, a word that indicates a strong love, a preferential love above other things. The Lord further teaches that those who love and prefer the darkness also hate the light. The Greek word here is masio, which means to detest, denounce. To love someone or something less than someone, something, to renounce one's choice in favor of another. So there is a love of darkness and a hatred of light due to the prideful aversion of not seeing their sins and errors exposed for what they really are sinful and harmful. This is a good teaching on all of this. Why is it good? Because it gives us what the church teaches. So why then are some excluded from heaven? Oh, we can't talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. There's people excluded. It's not because a mean and hateful God seeks to keep them out, folks. No, it's that they prefer the darkness. Yeah, people... For, their own, their own ways. I got my way. You remember the song? It says, I did it my way. They sing that in hell. You know what song they sing in heaven? I did it his way. Yep, they are accustomed to darkness and they prefer it. And thus, the Lord teaches that judgment that excludes the unrepentant is due to the Lord recognizing their preference and consigning them to the outer dark they prefer. That's 
But look it up, folks. Matthew 22, verse 13. This is a biblical worldview. This isn't some opinion. No, in reality, they cannot stand the bright light of heaven where the truth of God radiates. Indeed, the Lamb of God is the city of God. Check that out in, Re in Revelation chapter 21, 23. The saddest truth of the damned is that they would be more miserable in heaven. Think about that. For those who hate the truth, see the truth is hateful and irksome. And those who prefer the darkness experience the light as harsh. We see this frequently today. Oh, boy, listen to this. We see it today. Yes, yeah, secular people denouncing their opponents of faith as were hateful and, and phobic and want to exclude them from their world. Yeah, if we're for stopping the killing of innocent babies or marriage between a man and a woman. Yeah, we're hateful. No. But the second scripture is Luke chapter 12, verse 32 to 48, where our Lord paints a picture of two reactions to his coming. He begins by teaching the principle. And I love this principle in the Bible part. For where your treasure is, there also will you be your heart. Luke 12, 33. If our treasure is what we value most, folks, and, you know, right, is the world, then our heart is with the world. I see that in our church right now. We're too worldly. But if our treasure is God and things of heaven, then our heart is there. What's more important? Throwing plastic bottles into recyclable bins, which is I do, or saving my soul? Let's spend more time on saving souls than the earth. That's my bottom line. As most of us know, this is the greatest human drama. Yeah, it is. A very honest question that even the church-going Catholics must ask. Do I love God more than this world? That's a question i got to ask myself. The honest answer is for most is that we struggle to love God most of all. And any look to the world around us today is that many, if not most, are obsessed with the things and priorities of this world and have marginalized, he's being nice, God. Some have marginalized him completely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, they act like God doesn't exist in our world. Their treasure and their preoccupation is here, right on earth. And so also in their heart, far fewer are those who long for God and have their life directed to him and the things of heaven. And this is why we must constantly ask the Lord to fix and redirect our hearts. And remember, life is short and eternity is forever. So the Lord paints these two responses, two groups, if you will, at our summons to death and the judgment seat. And here it comes. Like servants who wait their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes knocking. A thief is coming and they do not want the house to be broken into. So why does group two see the Lord as a thief? Interesting question. Well, because their treasure and therefore their heart is this world and the things of this world. And when the Lord comes, they will see him as a thief. Isn't that true? Coming to take all away all the things that they think are theirs, but it's not. They are not happy to see him. They wail and grind their teeth, 
seeing him as one who is putting an end to their frivolities. Oh boy, well said. They do not want what he offers, the kingdom of heaven. For they prefer the darkness of this world, its priorities, personalities, powers, and I might add, possessions. But the group one that the Lord describes as like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, yes, ready to be immediately when we comes and knocks, he also describes them as having girding their loans. Wow. Wait till I tell you what else Monsignor has to say about that group who's waiting to receive the master. That's us. Please, God, live in the state of grace. This is exciting stuff. It's because it's most important. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ and how we can get to heaven. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Yeah, too anointed to be disappointed. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. We're talking about an article by Monsignor Charles Pope regarding salvation. It's most important. You know, if souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. So this one group that he mentions that the Lord describes as like servants who await their master's return. That's me, I hope, from a wedding, ready to be open immediately when he comes and knocks. He also describes as, as having their girding their loins and, and lighting their lamps. To gird the loins is an ancient equivalent of just rolling up your sleeves. It's to be ready for and doing the work that God has given us by setting our house in order. Yeah, growing in holiness and eagerly anticipating being with the Lord in heaven. Do we eagerly anticipate being in heaven? I do. Man, because life is short and eternity is forever. To light our lamp is to read the word of God and be deeply immersed in God's wisdom, his vision, and priorities. It is to be imbued with the kingdom of values and to be longing for God's justice. And the glory of heaven. Do we long for heaven? Oh man, you bet. This group has their treasure in heaven. And so also their hearts. They look forward to the Lord's coming with eager expectations. And joyfully and actively prepare to meet him with longing in their hearts. Repenting of our sins and setting their house in order. Hence, when the Lord comes to see him as Savior, the Lord will bring to completion in them whatever is undone. This is right from the Bible, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And lead them to the glory of heaven, which they so desire. They do not see him as a thief like group 1. All right, here it comes. Thus, the judgment consists in the Lord's recognizing and ratifying that some joyful come to light, others are repulsed by it. It's it. There's two groups. So ultimately, the judgment's on us. God gave us free will. The only value in saying no to God is you have the freedom to say yes. Please say yes to Jesus. If someone prefers darkness, he gets the darkness he wants. If someone loves the light and comes to it by God's grace, he enters the kingdom of truth, the light he desires. God 
respects our freedom to choose. Yeah, that's why I say freedom, free will. And at the judgment seat of Christ, our preference and decisions are recognized and ratified by our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is the judgment in question, says the Lord, that the light has come into the world, but some prefer darkness. In the end, you get what you want. So one Lord, Savior, Judge comes to us, or we go to him. But the two groups experience differently based on their disposition of their own hearts that are rooted in what they value. What do we value? Do we value Jesus? Live it then, right? God is not angry, though some are repulsed by him and regard him as a thief. Some have said in recent years something to this effect. God does not judge us. We judge ourselves. But this is only partially true, folks. The Lord Jesus does, in fact, judge us. John chapter 5, verse 22. But his judgment is rooted in and recognizes what we ourselves have chosen and manifest by the way we live our lives. These two pictures of judgment make that point rather clearly. I wanted you to hear this teaching from Monsignor. Why? Because it really is ultimately what we all have to have, and that's salvation. And anybody who tells you that everybody's going to heaven, don't believe them. It's not what the Bible says. It's not what the church has taught for 2,000 years. Not even a pope can change that, right? Because it's a perennial teachings. That brings me up to my other topic, reacting to the Pontifical Academy of Life. Uh, theologians say teaching of Humanae Vitae can't change. And it can't. Father Petrie, a Dominican here in Washington, noted that St. John Paul II has confirmed <coughs> Humanae Vitae teaching as part of the ordinary and universal magisterium. That's a key word to remember. What's been taught always and everywhere cannot change. We talked about this a week ago with Father Frank Pavone, if you recall. He made that point that um, this is the ordinary teaching of the church. Hemana Vitae, on contraception, is an instant of the ordinary, an instance of the ordinary and universal magisterium, and such is illformable, a moral theologian said in response to the statement of the Pontifical Academy. Well, now, this Dominican father I mentioned, Thomas Petrie, president of the Dominican House Studies in Washington, D.C., noted that even critics of the teaching of contraception have acknowledged that this was always the church teaching and that nowhere in the church teaching has this been uh, given anywhere else. So <clears throat> this is very important uh, because this suggests that uh, this has always been the teaching of the church. So it's part of the ordinary universal magisterium. That's what you want to tell people. No, 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 you can't change that. Not even the Pope can. Father Petrie said, so even if, if in the case that a particular encyclical, such as Humanae Vitae, is it's not on the infallible, the teaching that it presents, in fact, is infallible because of its part of the ordinary and universal magisterium of the church. Did you get my message? So you tell people that when they say, oh, that's going to change. It can't change. Now, this encyclical, as you know, was back in 1968. St. Pope Paul VI wrote that any action, which either before, at the moment, 
or at the sexual intercourse is specifically intended to prevent procreation, whether as an end or a means, is excluded, is unlawful means of birth control. Now, the Pontifical Academy for Life Institute associated with the Holy See, but which is not in itself a magisterial body, let's get that clear, they hosted this seminar in 2021 on ethics in which the participants discussed the possible legitimacy of contraception in certain cases. You see, it's a slippery slope. Whenever you see someone trying to cave in on something, run. Because the Pontifical Academy for Life has defended the discussion it hosted and the possibility of contraception. So it's noted that moral theologians on the Pontifical Lateran University, and I pray for this Monsignor Fernando, in a press release, he stated under the mandate of Paul VI that the encyclical is not be considered part of this infallible pronouncement. He stressed that Hermanovite did not express a definitive truth. Well, I, I'll do respect, Monsignor, you're wrong, okay? And in, in Veritatis Splendor, which is a great document Pope, Paul, Pope John, John Paul II did in 88, uh, he, the Pontifical Academy doesn't note that Veritatis Splendor says that contraception is intrinsically evil act. So these people need to wake up so that there can be no reason or purpose for contraception. And I'll just read what Benedict XVI said. He gave several speeches of which he spoke about contraception, and it can't be changed. That was true yesterday, and it's true today. You know, truth is true today, 500, 1,000 years from now. And I think these these guys that are progressives, who I call them modernists, they don't get that. They don't get the idea that Christ and the church teaches truths that are universal. Now, uh, Father Petrie added that it's helpful to simply focus on infallibility and what its name is infallible extraordinary way. The first Vatican Council, when it spoke about papal infallibility, was very clear that it was supposed to be an extraordinary act, okay? Father Petrie compared in an infallible statement to an ecumenical council. He described it as a very extraordinary act in which usually only happens when the matter at issue, whether it's a doctrinal matter, matter or moral matter, has become entirely embroidered in the conflict. That's not normally how the church teachings works. That's why the ordinary magisterium is important. When a pope does not intend to teach infallibly, that doesn't mean we're supposed to ignore what he says, right? And we have to uh, listen to. So I wanted you to be aware of this article from the National Catholic Register. Read it. Give yourself some time to be able to defend Pope Paul VI regarding Humanae Vitae. And I want to just quote one more statement from St. John Paul II about dissent. Because that's what these people are doing. Back in 1987, when Pope John Paul II was in Los Angeles, in my backyard, I remember when he said it. He said, It is sometimes reported that a large number of Catholics today, like today, do not adhere to the teachings of the Church on a number of questions, like these knuckleheads in Rome. Notably, sexual and conjugal morality, divorce and remarriage. Some 
are reported as not accepting the church's clear position on abortion. We got that today. 35 years later, it has also been noted that there is a tendency on part of some Catholics to be selective in their adherence to the church's moral teachings. It is sometimes claimed that dissent from the magisterium is totally compatible with being a good Catholic and poses no obstacle to the reception of the sacraments. Gentlemen, read my lips. This, St. John Paul says, this is a grave error. I'll repeat it. Gentlemen, you're, do, you're, you're not serving the church. This is a grave error to dissent from the church teachings that challenged the teaching office and the bishops of the United States and elsewhere. Dissent from the church doctrine remains what it is, dissent. As such, it may not be proposed on equal footing with the church's authentic teachings. Those guys in Rome had a layman, Joe Sixpack. My name's Terry Barber. Hey, I, I know the faith enough to stick with the faith teachings of the church. Hey, up next, when we come back, Hunter Bradford's here from Church Militant gives us an update on what's happening in the news tonight, and hopefully it'll help you become better Catholic and a more lively Catholic who falls deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back indeed. Hunter Bradford from Church Militant. Welcome again to the Terry and Jesse Show. Terry, uh, thanks for having me. Good to be on. We're glad to have you. And I want to not forget, I watched something on Church Militant that I want to promote. It was on the Holy Eucharist. And Uh. remember to give a plug for that. But Hunter, I have you guys on every week to talk about the news and updating it. Can you share with us what's happening for today? Yes, I will. And actually, before I do that, I want to talk about the importance of knowing the news, because uh, like Christ, he incarnated in a particular time in history, and he, and he spoke truth to power in that particular time. But in order to do that, and in order to, in, in order to be holy in the times, you have to know what the problems are in your time. So you have to, you have to know what's happening. Yeah. Um, and so some of the things going on today is uh, we're, we're seeing more details come out about the FBI's raid of Donald Trump's uh, private property in Mar-a-Lago. Um, on Monday this past week, his, um, you know, uh, so more details of that. We're seeing that, sources are saying, uh, they went through uh, Melania Trump's uh, closet. They, uh, there were 30 or more, actually more than 30 agents who showed up on the raid and they weren't wearing official FBI clothing. They were just wearing, uh, you know, normal, everyday garb. Uh, in addition to that, uh, <laughs> they were there from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. So they were they were doing uh, their due diligence, uh, <laughs> one could say. Uh, and that's just part of the news. Wow, yeah, and that's very interesting. I can't wait to hear that. What else do you have going for us? Well, uh, you have the $430 billion inflation so-called reduction act. Uh, one of the lesser known things about this, this bill, which is, uh, you know, this bill is that it actually extends taxpayer funding for abortion. 
How does it do that? It extends through 2025 tax credits for Obamacare premiums that were set to expire this year. So we're seeing uh, a little bit of um, Obama's influence. Oh, yeah. I mean, not a little bit. Obama's influence on the Democratic Party, the, the man who on that side is considered to be a messiah, a prophet, someone who has steered the Democratic Party further left. Um, right now, the Democratic Party is living in his shadows. Amen. I might add also that they're providing $80 billion to politicize yes. the IRS. I don't know if that gets in there, but this is a bad news uh, bill that was passed. And again, killing unborn babies, we always have to stand up for them. So I appreciate that information tonight. We'll get into it more. What and else? Carrie, actually, specifically about that $80 yeah, billion yeah. Dollars to the IRS, right. it's, it's supposedly to conduct, quote-unquote, <laughs> enforcement activities. Yeah, we, now, we've already seen with the recent FBI raid we've yeah. seen during this presidency that there is no such thing today as, as justice. It's only political justice. It's justice to those or for those, sorry, justice against those uh, who the the authorities disagree with, whose politics uh, don't align with their own. Yeah. And so these so-called enforcement activities, they're only going to be enforced upon uh, likely in you know in fishy manners on those whose politics the authorities disagree with. We're talking conservatives, uh, we're talking uh, Christian organizations, pro-life um, people. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and, 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 you know, this happened before and it's going to happen again. But again, elections have consequences. Yes. And so the midterms are coming up. And I want to remind everybody to vote their Catholic conscience. We need to win this back. So uh, absolutely, I want to ask Hunter, I know you've got another topic. Uh, yes. What's this next one is a killer. Go ahead. So this next one is, to me, a manifestation yeah. of the anger of Satan post uh, upending of Roe. Yes. So a pro-abort in Kansas yes. uh, attacked a young pro-life student <clears throat> uh, who's actually from Texas, but she's going to school in Kansas at Benedictine College. Great, great school. Now, the student was knocking on doors informing local Kansans about the referendum on the ballot on August 2nd uh, to push some pro-life legislation in the state. However, uh, it was rejected. But when this pro-lifer knocked on the uh, this particular Kansan's door, the mom showed up at the door. Uh, the mom said immediately, I don't think you're going to want to uh, talk any further uh, to this household. But the mom's daughter heard. And actually, uh, the pro-lifer said, even at the doorstep, I could hear the daughter cussing and yelling oh. from uh, from upstairs. And so that actually, that pro-abort daughter came out of the door, oh. chased the pro-lifer, oh. punched her multiple times oh, no. with both fists, and uh, I think also uh, pushed her on the chest. But to me, oh. this is, I think we're going to see uh, evil ramped up to an even higher degree. If you think it couldn't get worse, I think it's going to be. Remember what we, we read in Scripture. <clears throat> when you conquer Satan, uh, he comes back even stronger. Uh, so you, you beat one demon, he comes back with seven. Yeah. So we're going to see uh, evil multiplied in, yeah. in the near future, and we're seeing it now. Well, violence is a sign of the demonic. Bishop Sheen talks about that. Uh, I want to mention, Hunter, that uh, St. Peter 
Julian Emard, who we just had a celebration of last week, he said, until we have a passionate love for our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, we shall accomplish nothing. And I think Church Militant yes. had just coming out, I saw it on your website, about a, a program that's on the institution of the Holy Eucharist, and I thought it was well done. Can you share with our listeners how they can watch that? Yes. Uh, I, are you talking about God's Lamb on the Holy Eucharist? Yes. I've seen it personally. It is it is quite incredible. Uh, shot in the Holy Land, uh, well-produced. Yes. I mean, it goes through Old Testament, New Testament, right. uh, you know, just uses pure reason, uh, scripture, tradition, magisterium, yep. uh, beautiful stuff by uh, Michael and the crew. Uh, but you can go to churchmilitant.com, um, videos, uh, hit the down arrow, and then uh, you'll be able to see all the videos uh, and content available. And uh, you'll eventually find uh, God's Lamb. Or when you're on the just website, you can go to, you can type in the search bar, um, God's Lamb, um, in addition to going to documentaries. Great. Hunter, what about the event that's going to take place at Church Militant in Detroit yes. in two weeks? Tell us about that. I'm, I, I'm coming I, out for it, that's for sure. <laughs> I hear that we have an event called Call to Action and Convention. I'm just called. kidding. Um, yeah, August 19th to, to the 21st. That's right. Uh, a number of great panelists uh, going to have a lot of great discussions informing people of, okay, like, you know, you know that there's a problem in the church and in the world. How do we fight both of them? Uh, and, but what do we do about it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to watch the news, and that's good. You should. I think you should be watching the news. However... You can't like just watch the news. You got to go home and do something about it. Maybe it's you know running for uh, school board. Maybe it's uh, becoming a delegate. Um, it, it just it means that you have to get up off the couch. You have to leave your home and do something. And that's what uh, we're going to be. That's what panelists are going to be talking about. And that's the whole reason, the whole point for call to action, August nineteenth to the twenty-first. Is it too late for people to register? I don't believe so. Uh, we still have some open uh, open spots, so uh, okay. come all. Yeah. You know, Hunter, I go back to Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18, to describe that event. I say, uh, right, from the, right from the prophet Ezekiel, he says, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade the wicked from their evil conduct— in order to save their lives, then they shall die for their sin. But here's the kicker, Hunter. But I will hold you responsible for their blood. I think Church Militant is responding directly to Ezekiel chapter 3 and saying, we, we can't sit mildly aside. We have to do something. We have to try to help our fellow man get come to know the person of Jesus Christ and get to heaven. And I think that's what motivates all of us because it's a church teaches in canon law, the last canon, saying that it's all for the salvation, salvation of, souls. of souls. And so if souls are saved, everything is saved. But if souls right. aren't saved, nothing is saved. Am I onto something for what you're doing? Absolutely. I mean, it is an, it is an injustice mm -hmm. to not tell the truth, to not preach the gospel. Amen. I remember reading a number of years ago that Pope Francis tells his missionaries not to proselytize. Oh, yeah. Now, the underpinning of, of Pope Francis telling people, allegedly, if this is true, yeah. not to proselytize, is that the Catholic Church isn't the one true faith, because if you're not 
what, if, it's, if it is the one true faith, then why would you not proselytize? Or actually, in addition to this, I remember listening to a uh, famous comedian, uh, sorry, comedian and atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget if it's Penn Jillette or Jen Pellett. I honestly, it, it, mm-hmm. it'd be, it baffle, it, I forget. But anyways, the atheist was saying that uh, I don't believe in heaven or hell, but if you did believe in heaven and hell, how much would you have to hate someone not to tell them about it. Well said. Um, so any any true lover of Christ Amen. is also someone who not only hates sin and evil, but points out any sin and evil and calls truth to power and holds power accountable, especially uh, prelates, bishops, cardinals, and the Pope. Well said. Hunter, I want to thank you for coming on. I look forward to seeing you in Detroit in a couple of weeks for the big conference. And uh, tell everybody over there I said hello, and keep up the good work, my brother. Terry, thank you so much. I'll see you soon. You got it. That was Hunter Bradford from Church Militant. Don't forget, the news is on every day, Monday through Friday, on Church Militant. And uh, this is very, very important. I wanted to leave you, I only have a couple minutes, but uh, with a statement from Cardinal Robert Seurat. And again, it encourages us to realize that we are in a war Cardinal Seurat says, the dream of the Western globalized elite, yeah, is precisely to establish a new world religion. That's what they're doing. For this little group, the ancient religions, and in particular, the Catholic Church, must be transformed or die. Well, hey, folks, step it up. We got a, we got a war to fight, spiritual warfare. And how do we do it? By staying close to Christ, living in the state of grace. We pray our daily rosary to implement the Fatima message. Daily duties, offer them up for the salvation of souls. Remember, Our Lady said this at Fatima, that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Will you make a sacrifice for the salvation of souls? You are participating in the saving work of Jesus Christ if you know how to offer your suffering for Jesus it's simple. A five-year-old could do it. And that's why I want to encourage you to be holy or die trying. And I want to just encourage you to keep the faith, share that faith. Don't be the darkness, be the light that Christ is asking us all to be in the world today. I want to thank you for your support at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Go to vmpr.org and may God bless you.